information they're looking for, they win. Ignore them, you win. Welcome to the Creative Community Podcast, where we discuss the intersection between the arts and Israel. I am Ari Ingle, the director of Creative Community for Peace, and today's guest on the pod is Israel's biggest pop writer, who not only wrote an anthem for the city of Tel Aviv, but has dominated the Eurovision Song Contest this past decade, writing the winning song in 2018. We are excited to welcome Daron Madali to the Creative Community Podcast today. Daron, how are you holding up? Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were on lockdown, right? Uh, kind of. Um, for the last uh, three weeks, I was really, really busy. I had a, like an emergency TV show. <laughs> uh, every day, live uh, TV show. And then I'm really active. Um, we have an association called the Sachi, uh, which is a Sachi Israel. Maybe some of you know it. They just take uh, teenagers from difficult um, social economic neighborhoods in Israel, mainly in Jerusalem, and they make them uh, the angels of the, the neighborhood, taking care of all the needs. And uh, this time in Israel, many people before Pesach needed the food. So we managed to deliver, I think, 40,000 boxes of food before Pesach in two weeks. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, out of donations and uh, like, you know, Israel, everybody wants to help. And that, that's, I guess that's one of the most beautiful things that happened. So you're not it's just all- staying at home on coronavirus lockdown. You're out there helping and supporting and uh, totally. doing community work. Totally, totally. I, ha- I, re- I have a permission to, <laughs> to walk around and to drive around. Yeah. Like an official permission. And um, actually, Lela Seda was the first night I, I went home and stayed there. Wow. All right, so are you doing sessions right now or are you just working, doing sort of community work right now? No, it's only community work. And I, I hosted a, a TV show, a daily TV show, just uh, amusing people with music and a lot of uh, talks about donations. Yeah. So people coming into the studio to record or are they doing it remotely? Yeah, people come. Uh, it's a live show from a, uh, from a, like a cinema venue. Yeah. And um, yeah, some of the people, they feel okay to walk around. Of course, everybody's doing it with a special permission. I mean, the entertainment uh, industry, is, we were the first one to, to be shut down. So at least they found like TV shows to, to bring all kinds of artists uh, just to entertain, you know? That's great. I mean, I think it's so important. In America, they're not allowing any of that. I think even Jimmy Kimmel and all the late night hosts. All of them, yeah. Are all remote. All I think True. it's amazing that they're at least still having live music because there's nothing on TV. There's no sports. There's no live entertainment. It's all recorded. Yeah, but uh, as far as I hear, uh, the States, uh, the situation is much more difficult. Uh, and complicated than in Israel. Yeah, I think Israel obviously is a smaller population, but it seems like yeah. you guys got on top of it a little bit quicker than we did. Yeah, first first of all, we really we were on it like from the beginning. We really understood what's going on, and uh, you know, emergencies are uh, <laughs> are usual here, so yeah. we are really good at it. Although it's it's uh, it's very strange, but also. I feel it's a, it's a big blessing, you know. You cannot ignore um, Pesach and um, we're walking the streets of Tel Aviv and Jerusalem and everything is so quiet. And uh, you feel something holy in the air, like a really restart, like a real restart. That's what we feel. Yeah, it's interesting. It's because while everybody's sort of isolated in their own homes, it's almost like there's a sense of community being mm-hmm. in that isolation where everybody's sort of more together than ever, even though they're isolated. I don't know. It's, I guess because everybody's in the same position, essentially. That's the main thing. All, all humankind in the same position. And, um, and people are just free to, to do only that because yeah. they don't have anything else to do. 
Yeah. All right. So, so going back, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about coronavirus, which would be depressing. Yeah. So talking about <laughs> you and your career, how did you get your start in music? What, what did that start from? Um, when I was a child, I, my mom uh, noticed that I have a tendency to, to memorize like uh, lyrics and movements and shows. And I was like performing uh, all around the house and with my friends also. Actually, we grew up on the Eurovision Song Contest, and we knew it by heart. Now, when we grew up on it, uh, um, all the songs were in the mother languages, uh, Spanish, yeah. Italian, Swedish. So we learned as children to imitate languages that we've never heard and okay. movements and everything. So we, we were performing, and I was into the arts. I studied music, I studied theater, dance. Uh, all that and then um, after the army I was a medis medics instructor in the army and after the army I joined uh, the team of um, what would become Israeli Idol it's called A Star is Born Kohav Nolad uh, maybe you know Ninette she was the yeah. first uh, idol and now she's in LA and um, many 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 stars came out of this and I was the artistic manager of the show and um, because we created in the show um, artists, but they, they didn't write their own songs. And uh, the 90s in Israel was kind of singer-songwriters around. So we found that there is a big, big lack of uh, songwriters and composers. Yeah. And I just started to write songs, <laughs> writing songs. So while you were doing the artistic manager for Star is Born, you decided, yeah. I'm going to start writing for these people. And so when, what year is this around? When did, when did Star is Born We're start? talking about 2002, 2003. Okay. And so that's like your version, the Israeli version of American Idol. It's totally and, like, it's, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not in that size, of course. But American yeah. Idol was, I think, 2001 yeah. or two. And we, we just did a very small kind of show, you know. It was like a fusion between a TV game um, to a talent show. Got it. And then, and then I found myself working like in a really, really big uh, job on TV with the, with the, with the Kohav Nolad, the Star is Born. And uh, I managed to do all, all kinds of star search uh, shows like Eyal Golan is Calling You, the star, uh, the star search uh, show of Eyal Golan. And um, I just wrote songs. And uh, in 2005 or 2006, uh, Eyal Golan sang um, a very, very famous song of his that I wrote. And actually, it was my first. It's called uh, Inyash Gan Eden. Maybe people know it. I'll sing something. Yeah. It's a very famous one. And, and were you writing, were you doing the production and the songwriting or is just you and a guitar writing these things? I'm doing the, the lyrics and the music. Yeah. And um, that's the main difference. I mean, back then, it was the main difference uh, between us and you guys. Uh, the writing composer is doing the writing and composing <laughs> and then the producer is doing the arrangement and, produ and the production. Yeah. It was very, very separated. Not, not like today that we finally started working in teams and everybody's doing uh, everything together. But um, I, I played the piano, so I wrote all these uh, ballads uh, on the piano. And um, during the years later, I wrote uh, Abba by Shlomi Shabbat, which is also, it's like my two famous songs uh, from the beginning of my career. Yeah. And that was it. I had to go on <laughs> with writing songs. But it was always uh, just a thing that I did uh, while I was doing so many other stuff as a director and a producer. And, and so Tel Aviv Habibi, we, we have to talk about that because that Tel is... Tel Aviv, ya Habibi, Tel Aviv. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what though, it is not easy and it's like lightning in a bottle, writing an anthem for like a city. It's almost like yeah. in soccer stadiums, there's that song Zombie Nation, which is played at like every <laughs> song. But in Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv Habibi is the song that like every single person sings. How did that come about? Well. Um, Omer Adam, uh, which became uh, the Israeli number one pop star uh, the last decade, uh, he was also uh, a 16-year-old singing uh, in uh, The Rising Star, in uh, Kohavaba, uh, Star is Born. And um, 
I heard him sing, he auditioned with my song, with Abba, which is a very famous one. And I will never forget the moment that I saw him on TV sing it. And I decided that I'm going to work with him, although he's only 16. In the States, it's very common. But in Israel, if you start in, when you're 16 and then you go to the army, it's kind of uh, destroying all you build. Yeah. So it's not common to start when you're 16. But he was something so special, really. And I told his parents that I feel I have this uh, gut feeling that he's going to be a singer, a bigger singer than what any of us can imagine at that point of history. Because they, they asked me, why do I um, believe in him so much? And I said, listen, he has a frequency on his voice. He's going to be really a huge, huge, huge star. And we can't even understand. And that's what happened at the end. Uh, Omer became, um, he's like an international star in Israel. Yeah. That's how big he is. Because in Israel, you know, you know Israel, I mean, Shlomo Alzi, he also, he can walk the streets, you know. He can ride his bike in the park or something. Yeah. Uh, we are buying at the same supermarket at the end of the day. Omer Adam cannot walk the streets. He really can't. Yeah. Everybody wants something from him. Yeah, did, and did you sign him to anything? Or you just said, I'm going to develop him and help him get... No, get I was going. his artistic manager and I brought okay. him, uh, his, uh, his uh, personal manager and we were like a team. Yeah. And um, his parents are, uh, did everything. They opened his own private uh, record label and production yeah. company. And everything was very, very small. And until now, they are working in a, in a very closed uh, team. It's a very impressive uh, career to study. But as far as Tel Aviv, Yechabibi Tel Aviv, which is really the, big, the biggest thing that happened and changed his career, it was 2013. Yes, three years after we started. And we did all kind of uh, funny and um, Mizrahi, very hard Mizrahi, uh, you know, Middle Eastern Arabian style uh, music. And then I was a part, as a, as, as a gay person, I was a part of a, a party, a line, a party line for gays playing only Mizrahi music. Interesting. Something very interesting, it's the only party in the Middle East um, that combines straight gays, uh, Arabs, and Jewish together. So every documentary, um, <laughs> every wow. documentary movie from around the world that comes to Tel Aviv, everyone wants to do something about this party. And this party came like really from the underground with 200 people every week, very, very underground. And in three, four years, it became mainstream. And uh, the municipality of Tel Aviv, they told them uh, the name of the party is Arisa, which is a, you know, a spice, a, a very spicy spice, yeah. Arisa. So the municipality of Tel Aviv said, we are celebrating 100 years, the anniversary of Tel Aviv. We want you guys to be uh, in the front and we want you to write an anthem for Tel Aviv, especially for the, for the pride. So the, um, they called me. And I said, okay, that's a very interesting thing to do. <laughs> so what I did is two things. First of all, I wrote for the first time a song that contains lyrics uh, from the gay language, the gay street language, which is very strange when you, when you come to think about an anthem, okay? Yeah. We say Tel Aviv, Ya Khabibi Tel Aviv, Tistakel, Kama Lirdim Isaviv, Lirdim, Lird. Yeah. He's a hot guy in, in the gay language. Okay, I didn't know that. So the thing is, I wrote like a very crazy that make immediately it makes you laugh. And I, I like mixed, uh, I made a fusion between Arabic and, uh, and Hebrew and street language. And then I decided that uh, for the first time in history, a straight singer will sing the anthem of the gay pride. Amazing. Because it was for the gay pride. And this is how you make revolutions. Now, of course, now I can tell you everything. And I, I, I also, I do lectures about it. Because in the university, they teach about this song. But when you do it, you don't understand what you're doing. You just have a gut feeling. And yeah. you, you know you're doing the right thing. And there were so many obstacles on the way. Because 
when Omer Adam came to shoot the video clip and the, 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 the stills photos for the PR, then he saw that uh, there were two guys dressed as girls uh, going to kiss each other. He was so, I mean, he was freaked out, okay? And yeah. he just, it just disappeared. They managed to do only photos. That's the cover really? photo that you see on Tel Aviv Habibi Tel Aviv on YouTube. You see a cover photo. Yeah. And, uh, and that's it. They did the video clip without him. <laughs> he was just too conservative. He just said, like, what, what's it was, going on It was here, just or? too much for him. He was 19 yeah. years old. He was in the army. And yeah. um, when, when he heard the song, he told me, yeah, let's, let's make Balagan. You know, yeah. Balagan. <laughs> let's yeah, yeah. make a mess. Crazy let's make, let's make uh, something crazy. And he loved the song, but I, I, I told him that, listen, it is a revolution because uh, his uh, fans will not take it so good because back then, it's only seven years ago, you know, but I can totally say loud and clear, Israel was very separated in terms of straights and uh, LGBT. Even and, in Tel Aviv uh, then? Yeah, but Tel Aviv was growing a little bit, growing, growing, yeah. growing. And someone smart in the municipality, he decided that the 100th anniversary will, will be the, the year that will change the history and will make Tel Aviv one of the, one of the most, um, you know, in every magazine from then. Tel yeah, international the cities top. covering the world. Yeah, yeah. And especially for gay, for gay pride and the LGBT community. Yeah. So, I understood back then that you just have to walk the line very carefully and make him do it, make him go on stage, even if it's, you know, it's, it's the hottest day on earth, the gay pride in Tel Aviv. It's on the beach. It's not the perfect uh, venue or not the perfect uh, day to understand everything. It's like a guerrilla yeah. um, war, but he did it. And, and that's how you make history. I think one month after, we got a video from a wedding uh, from uh, a Bedouin a city or a village in the south yeah. dancing Tel Aviv, Habib, Tel Aviv in a wedding. Then you know you've got a hit on your hands. Wow. It's more than a hit. And you know you, you, know you made history. You know you yeah. broke something. You broke yeah. boundaries. You know, this, is, this was a point that all of us said, oh my God, we did something. Yeah. It's not just a gay pride uh, song. I mean, it's the whole country. It's the city and the whole country. You know what's interesting is I grew up listening to a lot of hip hop. And I always remember the story of Notorious B.I.G. working mm -hmm. with Puffy. And Notorious B.I.G. came from the streets and he was from the hood. And Puffy, would, his first big song was called Juicy. And I remember hearing the interviews how Notorious B.I.G. just didn't want to do it. He's like, this is cheesy. This is like not going to be for my like, fans yeah. or the hardcore and it's like, but Puffy had the idea of like, this is bigger than that. This is, you're, you're taking a risk, you're going bigger, you're doing something that you may be uncomfortable with, but exactly, you're making history. It almost is, this is like a similar thing. Like you had a vision, you had the idea, which is different than anybody has been doing up until then. True. And it's True. almost like artists has to trust sometimes, you know, the creative. And that's, and that's the thing. I think, and that's what I teach about, uh, about Omel, which is a, a very interesting case because in Israel, when you start to be successful, immediately you think you understand everything as an artist. And we are, you know, you come from LA, you have an industry, you are the industry. We don't really have an industry in terms of education. Yeah. Okay. I believe that if someone is signed in Warner, Sony, BMG, or anywhere, he is obeyed he's obeying to to a very strict contract and he understands what's what's going on and he really understands that there are smarter people than him more most um, you know more experienced people yeah. than him creative thing you have respect for the profession and in israel it's not working like this everybody has ideas and uh, this one thinks he knows better this one thinks you know ego 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 you yeah. know and no one's working with the strategies and you just try something, you do it, and go well, you go on. And with Omer, it was totally different because he really was counting on us, and we just felt like playing in a playground. The intuitive uh, feeling was, this is a great song, let's do it. And that's it. 
And this is the, the fuel in your engine, really. And after, after Tel Aviv, Habib, Tel Aviv, I understood um, that I'm not a songwriter. I have, I have a power to do more than that. I have power to do revolution with uh, music. And then a year later, uh, we released Mahapecha uh, Shel Simcha. Mahapecha Shel Simcha. Oh, all the kids know it from the camps for sure. Yeah. And from the bar mitzvahs and weddings. Uh, and the story there uh, was about Omer Adam, about Leon Arkis, about Moshe Peretz, Eyal Golan, all the biggest stars in Israel. Again, six, seven years ago, they were patronizing about them, um, saying these guys that only sing happy music, it's very shallow, um, you know, the quality of the text, the quality of the sound. These people will go and do their weddings uh, performance. This is a whole market in Israel. Yeah. Uh, the weddings and the, the celebrations. And this was like the field, what's going on in the weddings, it's the field is uh, speaking now. And what's going on uh, on TV and radio uh, and YouTube is something else. And YouTube start to merge with the weddings. And you looked at, uh, you know, you looked at the YouTube in Israel and you see Omer Adam is in the top. Eyal Golaz is in the top, but no one is paying them on the radio and no one is treating them as, as a professional artists yeah. or, uh, or mainstream, mainstream artists. They always say Mizrahi, Mizrahi, Mizrahi. It has a lot to do with the fact that they are from a Mizrahi origin. Okay? This is the story of, the, of Israel. Yeah. And I decided that it's about time to do a revolution. Mahapichashel Simcha is a revolution of joy. And um, I asked four of the of four different singers to join me, and only Omer Adam and Leo Narkis uh, decided to join. And then we worked on it. At the same summer, while we were recording, um, there was a Mifzat Sukeitan. It was a, a very big operation. It's like a war. You know, yeah. more than seventy soldiers were killed in the summer. It was a little bit like what we're experiencing now, in terms of like a whole depression, lots of danger in the city, no one can do anything. And we were insisting on recording a song called Revolution of Joy. Yeah. And a week after, it was very, I think it was the hardest time in the last decade, this summer, in 2014. A week later, we decided we are releasing it because the, the consciousness in Israel back then was all about being depressed and war every summer and, um, and crisis and tension and, you know, the Israeli tough issue. But yeah. the fact is that we are Israelis, we are fun. <laughs> and and you're the sun is shining. war and threat. So if you don't find that, that lining and start having fun, it's just, you're just going to be depressed true. all your life, right? And, that, and that's where music should go in and... Uh, make it happen and yeah. all the music in israel was very very low and sad and depressing and very serious and someone has to to bring uh, you know another story <laughs> to the main story yeah so i decided to do a, a big big revolution with lots of um, controversial lyrics about it and actually let me tell you it starts with the lyrics um i heard that someone is do no i heard someone is doing a party without me i i want to tell you no one does it better than me that's the big that's the beginning and it happened because many djs told me that couples that want to get married they tell them we want happy music but please don't put mizrahi interesting so many djs told me that and i said this is really really fucked up because yeah. this is racism and we need to break it because we know after they're drunk in midnight in the wedding, of course, they will, they will hear Mizrahi. But and they don't. Mizrahi is like is very happy, very yeah. enjoyable songs. And it's just yeah. what they think it's cheesy or is it literally they just don't like Mizrahi? Yeah, no, they, they want to feel, they are patronizing. Yeah. Okay. They don't feel that, uh, they feel if you hear Mizrahi in their wedding, it means they are low-class people. It's, wow. it's that, um, 
it's that ridiculous, but that was the situation only six, seven years ago. <laughs> and we did a revolution and people thought uh, we were crazy releasing this kind of song after a terrible war. But after one year, it became an anthem until today. This is an anthem. This is a period uh, in the Israeli culture, a period called the revolution of joy. Ever since then, what I did, now let, let's talk as strategically, yeah. what I did. I was listening to American music and to Latin music, this, you know, my favorite uh, type of music. And I heard the term summer heat. Now in Israel, you have 10 months of summer. <laughs> okay. And we are just dancing. We are on the beach. We are weddings and bar mitzvahs and parties and celebrations, outdoor, indoor. We need music for this. Yeah. Now, what, when you went to a wedding in Israel a decade ago, you heard almost three or four hours of songs from the U.S., um, you know, top 40s and stuff like this. Pitbull, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Rihanna, Beyonce, whatever was, Enrique uh, Iglesias, Calvin Harris, Avicii, everything. And after three hours, you managed to hear for the first time a song in Hebrew from the 80s, from the 90s, a special remix or something. Yeah. And what we managed to do with this revolution, with Omer Adam and all his career and the revolution of joy, that today you go to a wedding and you hardly have one song, not in Hebrew. Incredible. And this is a financial revolution because all the royalties, what happened is after the, the cities went, uh, the cities died, you know, <laughs> all the... All the physical uh, royalties yeah. uh, were kind of over. Yeah. yeah. And Israel, we, it took us a long time to adapt the streaming. It's only, you know, Spotify is only from last year or something. Yeah. So suddenly in uh, the association, in Akum, our association, they understood that millions of shekels are coming from the weddings. And then you say, okay, all this money is going outside of Israel. So now let's keep it here. And, okay. more, and they, they, they started to give prizes, like doing ranks and, and doing charts of the dance floor hits, all kinds of this. And I, I'm so proud, really, I'm so proud of this revolution because a few months ago, um, at the end of the decade, in December, uh, Akum uh, published a chart of the last two decades 20 songs of the last 20 years on the dance floor chart. Yeah. Um, and the dance floor chart is not like the billboard dance floor chart. It's actually a dance floor of weddings. Okay. Yeah. And all the four number ones, uh, number one, two, three, four, are mine. Wow. It's Mahapicha Shel Simcha. It's Tel Aviv, Habib, Tel Aviv. It's En Mala Asot Taira Kota Lirkod. Yeah. And, and another one by uh, Leon Arkis. All four first places are mine. And I looked at it and I said, oh my God, I really did a revolution. <laughs> I so mean, you have, you have a, a proof. Are a lot of other songwriters and producers, they are working in the scene now? This scene became the main scene in Israel, happy music. Yeah. And, you know, it has only something to do with weather. If the weather here is so hot and everybody's outside, you cannot just sing ballads all the time. You, you must party. have. Yeah. And this is a commercial way of thinking uh, and developing a career and not just releasing this song or that song. It's also thinking, yeah, I want a summer hit. Yeah. And you develop the sound. It's almost, you know, each decade, each time period sort of has a sound. And this is the new sound of this. The second part of this decade has been this yeah. sort of music. Now, does Akum and Israeli, is there a society that helps uh, give money to artists? You know, America doesn't really have that, but Canada has that where you can go and get from CanCom and get financing for videos and production and um, grants. Does well, this we, ha we have something, yeah, we have something inside Akum. Yeah. Um, and not, because I'm very into the financial part, um, I wasn't ashamed to, to stand in front. I'm doing a lot of marketing uh, and, uh, you know, lectures and conversations and uh, meetings with the, with the top um, companies in Israel that are looking to spend money yeah. on something. And um, a decade ago, if you put money, this is, this is 
such a non-American way of thinking. But if an artist needs to bring a brand into his video clip, it's a no-no because it, uh, you know, it hurts the art. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, the that was a decade. You want that, brand and you want that money. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the main difference between an industry and a non-industry yeah. way of thinking. So it's like the indie and, way of thinking. Yeah. So the the new generation of young artists that comes from the YouTube, they understand. They watch uh, other video clips. They understand that a brand can find. Uh, his way into it without it being a, a commercial, you know, like a, like a TV commercial. Yeah. And I think now it's it's really it's like blossoming. Everybody's working together. Everybody's doing songs and get paid for it. And I, as as a, a top uh, songwriter in Israel, I have a, a, a big part in Akum, and I decided because I saw all the old artists uh, in Israel always losing their own money when they reach to the end of the road. And then it's the same old story. And uh, me and my colleagues, we decided we don't want to be the, the same story. We want to change it. We want to be um, wealthy <laughs> songwriters. Yeah. We want to manage to do business and uh, to sell our royalties and to get royalties and to do commercials. And that's what we're doing. And it's easier to do with fun music, of course, because it's a commercial music. It so, is. And now you also, there's some artists that are finally breaking out of Israel into the American pop scene. True. Uh, well, I, I mean, on the film side, obviously, Gal Gadot is the greatest export in the last few years. But in the music side, Dennis Lloyd has broken through pretty True. well. Um, Noga mm -hmm. Erez, who's an alternative artist, is making some impact. Yeah, the Balkan um, beatbox that did. Which we'll get to yeah. is making big waves. Um, so it's interesting. It, it seems like now it's also shifted to doing songs in English as well. Yeah. Well, it's also artists. It's also producers and songwriters. Uh, I think many, many, many moved to LA to, to try. And, um, and I, I can say as a songwriter, that, that's why I picked the Eurovision. And when everybody told me it's not relevant, I said, this is a very good way for me to go outside of Israel through a competition that 200 million people are viewing. Yeah, all right. So let's talk about Eurovision because Eurovision is where you've dominated, literally, as I said at the top of this podcast. So tell people a little bit, just a brief background on it, because in America, they may not know um, so much about it, but the rest of the world, it's a massive content. <laughs> yeah. So if you have to know something, only one thing about the Eurovision, um, it's the song contest, the European song contest that uh, made ABBA happen and Celine Dion also. Yeah. ABBA uh, represented Sweden in 74 with Waterloo and they won first place and they launched their ABBA career. And Celine Dion also won in 88. She represented Switzerland and then she was 19 years old and then she launched her European career and then we know the rest. Um, it's a very beautiful idea. After the Second World War, the European Broadcasting Union decided to unite Europe with a song competition. Each country sends a singer and a song and they compete. And if you win, you bring the competition uh, next year to your own country, to the winning country. So and this is how Europe, yeah, yeah. Europe is traveling from one country to another. That's a big opportunity for the country to, uh, um, to represent really postcards, beautiful postcards out of landscapes and culture. Because uh, usually in the news, all you don't hear about the countries, all you hear only about problems. So Israel, won the first time in 78 with the famous song which is a very famous one yeah and then uh, a year later in israel the eurovision was in jerusalem and again israel won which is probably the, one of the only times in history of this competition and we won again with hallelujah la, la. Oh, the most famous israel, yeah oh wow the most famous israeli song in history is a winner from the Eurovision. And Eurovision they, winner. They have Eurovision the next year as well in Israel, back-to-back -back years? 
back then in 79, Israel didn't have the money to host another competition because it cost a lot. Yeah. Uh, so the Netherlands uh, took it. Um, but, you know, it was 78 and 79, Israel was very, very young. And then in 98, Dana International won with Viva la Diva, Viva Victoria, which yeah. was a massive hit in Europe, like a song of the year in 14 countries, something like this. And um, three times we won the Eurovision with massive hits. So at the, the years 2000, the competition has changed because uh, the geographic and political changes in Europe. Yeah. Um, all the big countries were separated to small countries and it was uh, it became a very complicated competition with 40 something countries 45 countries yeah. and you really have to stand out and somehow uh, Israel didn't uh, stand out um, and many people kind of lost um, the will to try because they said it's all politics and no one in Europe loves us um, and no one will vote for us and you know all the all the stories about the and so so and, and you became the so you started before writing songs you directed the Israeli entries so was that because yeah. you did the Star Is Born and then yeah you got asked because to do I want yeah, as, as a as a as a profession I'm I'm a stage director okay yeah. um, a producer and a stage, so people that don't know director. the stage direction at Eurovision is you have to have a big epic stage performance so it's not even just yeah, it's it's like a super bowl it's a super bowl uh, show it's like a super bowl show <laughs> yeah it's 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 the most viewed uh, live show in the world 200 over 200 million. million people i think watched yeah. it the last two years which yeah. is double the super bowl true which is um, i mean you cannot ignore it you know yeah. so you have to invest and it's all a matter of money and most of the countries don't have the money to invest and the, the show became a huge show. It was a huge spectacle. And you see like the Russian countries and the, the Scandinavian countries, they have tons of money. They spend it all on the stage and the other countries look like very small and yeah. not so successful. And we kind of lost our way there. And uh, for four years in a row, we found ourselves outside of the final show. You know, we didn't even qualify to the final. They have semifinals and then you have to qualify if you're good enough. And I was there as a director three times. And it felt to me like we are just wasting time, energy, money. Um, it's, you've, you can go back and really heartbroken from the experience. You spent three months of your life doing something so special. You represent your country with the flag. You're, you know, Israel is on your back and you're just losing the game. What for? Yeah. And um, the the main broadcaster in Israel was very, very old-fashioned in the terms. And I said that until we won't bring the Mizrahi party feeling of Tel Aviv, Habibi Tel Aviv to this stage, yeah. we won't manage to break through again. And uh, it took a few years to convince. And then in 2015, um, everything changed with a song I wrote, uh, Golden Boy. And, um, By and Nadal, the stories, right? Yeah. And Nadav, Nadav Gedj, he won The Rising Star, which is the, the next show after The Israeli Idol. And ever since, we were back on the track because Golden Boy became a huge success around Europe and also, of course, the American kids. Everybody knows it. It's like a very, it's a Taglit anthem and uh, all the camps. And give us a little line. Give us a little, give us a little. I'm, uh, I'm a golden boy. Come here to enjoy. I'm the king of fun. I'm the king of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so we managed to, to give hope, you know. It was the song of the year in Israel. We went back from the Eurovision straight to the gay pride in, uh, in Tel Aviv. Nadav went on stage. He sang with 150,000 people screaming Golden Boy like he won the Eurovision. And um, of course, we didn't win the Eurovision, but we realized that we can do it because we broke the story. We changed the story. And again, I'm using uh, music to change the story because it really affects the... Um, because Israel is so small... And everybody listens to the news and everybody is very depressed <laughs> because of the news. Yeah. And the situation here, you, as we all know, is not so uh, easy. But our spirit is so higher 
and we want to dance. We want to have fun, e even if we have only one week or two weeks before the bombs. Okay, so we we want to have fun. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the first song in English, uh, Mizrahi style. You know, right. it was the yeah. first song in English. And ever since uh, then, 2015, we tried every year again and again and again until we met Netta. And then uh, I wrote a toy for Netta with a Stav Beger. So, so, my... so to back it up, so in 2015, yeah. you wrote with Nadav, 2016 with Hovi Star. Now, 2018, yeah. see, the thing is with Netta's toy, which ended up winning and became a big, big hit. Yeah. It almost seems like it's almost that Tel Aviv Habibi sort of moment again because Toy is different. It is got a different sound, a different sort of like the lyrics. I mean, it's got a chicken quacking. Listen, it was when I saw what was, her. What were you thinking with that song? Like, what was the thought process when you, because that was probably even before, you know, did you have Netta in mind or did you write that before? Yeah, Netta? yeah, yeah. The thing with Netta, she is the inspiration of everything because she was competing in The Rising Star and I sat at home and I saw her first audition and I, I screamed on TV, she's going to win the Eurovision. This is how you win Eurovision because she was so different and so unique. And in 2018, when the Me Too movement is on the spot, no matter where you go, yeah. she can be the new face of the new uh, generation of uh, people thinking a little bit different. It's yeah. not just the Me Too movement. It's also the self-image, uh, the body image, the way a girl should look. Um, you know, stuff like uh, happening right now with uh, Lizzo in the States and uh, with Billie Eilish and all mm -hmm. about presenting another way for a girl to look a cool girl so she was a huge inspiration and she stood on the audition with the looper for the first time we saw on tv in israel someone so talented playing a looper and it looks like she's a big girl playing with a just a toy and uh, Stav Beggar and i who wrote the song we decided to make a song about toys now let's bring another issue into it you take toy you take me too then you have the double meaning and even the triple meaning. Let's write a song about a girl that uh, invites everybody to come play with her, with their toys, but educating also because <laughs> something was a little bit wrong with the old game. Yeah. So you put the, the thing with Eurovision is that it's a competition and people have to vote for you. If they have to vote for you, you have to capture something in their brain <laughs> to take over their consciousness with fun stuff and and then they are yours they are totally yours if they love you they are all the way with you so we put all different toys like barbie and simon says and pikachu from pokemon and um let's talk about the the asian you know the the asian um, <laughs> i'm always thinking about it you know where, where an asian influence was something was the coolest thing to do and her dress, obviously, during on stage, everything. had that Asian influence to it. That hair, everything, everything. Sort of to it. When I saw her, I saw a K-pop star. I'm a big fan of K-pop and J-pop for a decade, and then Gangnam Style came out and did yeah. what it did, and I really felt I'm seeing. Uh, you remember Bjork? Yep. I'm seeing something with uh, in Netta in Netta's face between. Sai and Gangnam Style and Bjork and something very interesting from Israel. That's almost like a startup. And then we realize it's a startup and Israel is a very good in startup. We are a startup nation. Start nation so right. let's do startup. Yeah. Yeah, but Bjork, Bjork, honestly, that, that's a great comparison. It's like Bjork meets um and Sai. And Sai, and, uh, yeah, Gangnam, yeah, Gangnam style. Exactly. It's like the perfect mix right there. And Israel is right in the middle, geography. You know, if you, talk, if you think about the map. Yeah. And when we released the toy with the video, like the craziest video clip from Israel ever, the Scandinavians uh, said, introducing the Middle Eastern Bjork. Wow. That's what, what they said in the newspapers and blogs and stuff. So we did something so accurate. It was just the right focus of, I guess, a 20, we were 20, a gang of a 20 people you know the staff 20 30 people everybody was so focused on this and um because because it's hard you cannot ignore the politics in europe you cannot ignore 
the fact that uh, when we were in Lisbon, that's where in Portugal, that's where the competition was in 2018. The same week we had to win the Eurovision, Israel started the war again uh, in the north, in the south, and uh, something about Iran and all kind of, you know, the bomb and the, the normal thing from the news. And, and on the same week, you have to win the Eurovision. This is changing the story real time. Yeah. Really. And once again, for people that don't know in America, it's voted on by the people in Europe of every country. Yeah. So it's literally a popular vote. This isn't the judges are True. part of it, but um, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's fifty fifty. It's fifty fifty. It's fifty fifty. The judges are delegations of judges from each country. You know, there are people also. Yeah. <laughs> there are professional people, but there are judges from they around Europe and fifty. Yeah. yeah, and and fifty percent is is the wide audience and. You are just, you know, shooting in space and whatever happens, happens. And yeah. you want to be there no matter what. You want to win not in one or two points. You want to you make history. You want, you want a victory. Yeah, okay? which makes and it that, that much more impressive, though, because Israel, you know, obviously, there's a negative perception in some countries against Israel. And it's overcoming true. that as in addition to just be, having the best song is almost, I mean, it's amazing that Israel's won yeah. it. So many times. Yeah, but the, the flag of Israel. Yeah, the flag of Israel is behind us, yeah. and with us all the time. So you cannot ignore it, and you wanna be brave enough to uh, to make it shine. You know, to put the flag in the face of the media, the European media. That most of the times, you know, the the European media most of the times they are not really fans. They're of not Israel. so pro-Israel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fans. You know. You cannot call them friends. <laughs> so it's, it's changing the story because if you win the UV, and Netta didn't really understand why we were so obsessed of the winning, you know, about winning first place. We can win second, third. I mean, for yeah. sure we would be top three. Um, but we told her that after we'll win, she'll understand uh, why we're so obsessed because we are obsessed with uh, proving that you can change the story. And the the word that started song, and that's a, yeah, that's what's amazing. It's politics aside, the people voted on a song, and it doesn't matter where it came from or who's singing it. True. that was what moved them more than anything and, else. And to an, a very inspiring lady, yeah, that's what they voted for. You know, they voted for an event, yeah, uh, for something from an for an idea for an agenda, and this this is how you make history because it's not every year someone wins, but you hardly hear about it. Maybe yeah. if you are lucky, once a decade, you have a hit from the Eurovision. And most of the time it comes from Sweden, okay? Because they are in charge of yeah, the pop. Yeah, they have the big pop writers. Yeah, but then to, to bypass it all and to say Israel is, is on the top and you know, it, it's all about the ripple effect. You just throw such a big heavy stone in the water yeah. and then the ripple effects is doing everything. Did you guys know you were gonna you were gonna compete and and possibly win when you entered? Is there any sense like when you enter Eurovision who the yeah. top two countries are, or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you release all the video clips, it's like two months before the competition. You have a ranking, um, just tablets. It's like a, a horse. Got uh, uh, interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you go to like the track and or, the odds are already placed. True. Yeah, you have like eight or ten websites like odds websites and and israel was number one all the way wow and it never happens never all the way and at the end only at the few uh, the few last days we we went down to second and third place and cyprus um came to the top but we won at the end in and we won i think wait 93 points between us and second place, which is a lot in this competition. Wow. And then you guys return to Israel as heroes. Yeah, we are still heroes, you know, <laughs> two and a half years. Well, and okay, so, know the why. Next, so the next year you did not have the song. And by the way, so that was last year in Israel. It was more of yeah. a ballad. Personally, I was a little bit uh, disappointed that that was, it was coming to Israel and it was, you guys, it went back to being more of a ballad, even it's though it was true. a beautiful song. That's also a, a big lesson, you know, that it's so, so easy to go back to the default and not making an effort after yeah. you prove that if you make an effort, you reach so high. 
But the Eurovision in Israel was the effort. I mean, everybody yeah. was concentrated in the production. Uh, this competition won the best Eurovision of the 2000s. Yeah. And um, they won a special prize of, uh, of the using of uh, technology um, and augmented reality on live broadcast. Yeah. Um, it, it's really, I think... So for people listening, it, the Eurovision that took place in Israel was ranked as the best Eurovision contest of the last decade. True, true. And I'm th I cannot stop thinking about it right now because we are one year later. And I wrote with Idan Reichel the song that was supposed to represent Israel this year. It's yeah. called Fekir Libi. And what, what makes you excited Idan Reichel? Because usually you've been doing stuff with uh, Stav Berger. So, so what made you go to Idan? Yeah, Idan and I are best friends for 20 years. And um, we are totally different in our styles, of course. I'm very noisy pop and he's very... Uh, mellow and uh, emotional Israeli songs. Yeah. And um, because we are such good friends, uh, we brought the Eurovision to Israel and the main act uh, in the Eurovision, you know, we bring so many artists to perform uh, between the, the voting time. You, you, you have to, in the Eurovision, you need artistic part. You need artists, famous artists to perform. And yeah. the Dan Reichel project was performing there and it was massive, really. It was so special. And he said, okay, I want to join the circus finally. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do it. And he convinced me to do it because I didn't think, uh, I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. But um, there's another song that was released a year ago and right now is really, it's the anthem of Israel. It's called Shevet Achim Ve'achayot. Yeah, I'm sure also people that listen to us uh, know which yeah. is uh, the We Are the World uh, of Israel yeah. um, special edition. It was made for the 70th anniversary of Israel. And right now it's really the song that all the balconies are singing together, especially for Pesach. Um, and we wrote it together. I wrote the lyrics, he then wrote the music. So we said, okay, let's try another one. And we did another one. It was so well accepted. Like immediately it became a hit in Israel. And then everything stopped. And they decided to cancel, of course, the Eurovision, like to cancel all our lives, you know. Uh, every, everything stopped. And um, so... This, that was called Fekir Libi, right? And yeah. In Amharic, which is the language of Ethiopia, Fekir Libi is uh, my sweetheart. So what are they going to do now? So the Eurovision this year is cancelled? Yeah, they decided that Eurovision is cancelled. Next year, the artist can go again, but with different songs. So we all wait um, until next year, you know. It's like in the next century, it looks like I know, now. It's, it's a long time away. <laughs> so you think Eden is going to have to re-qualify or just a new song? No, for Eden is performing, is representing Israel next year, but okay. she will have to find another song. But what I'm, what I'm thinking about, what everybody thinks about, we had a, a conversation about it uh, last week with all the production team of the Eurovision in Israel. It's only one year difference. What would have happened if it, if it was last year? Yeah. You know, that's, that's, I cannot explain the, <laughs> the heartache because we really changed the history for one year. We changed the mood of Israel for one year. Yeah. Really, it was such a big inspiration for the kids here to see something so big from their country because the kids they were born in the 2000s they don't know a successful israel in terms of culture or yeah. something like this well, you know? eurovision is like the olympics it's like the world cup it it's is like another it event. is and so winning is national it pride is. for the you know worldwide yeah. recognition and we don't host this kind of big events so to see Tel Aviv hosting such a big event, you, you finally see, okay, we can be <laughs> these guys. <laughs> Although all the politicians complained until it happened, so you're going to cause them another headache when you win next year. Of course, but that, they're doing headlines. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so are you obsessed right do. now with thinking of what the song is going to be? Have you started writing some? Or are you no, I don't, think, I don't think I'll take part. I don't think I'll do it again next year. No? I, um, no, because... It's very strange to compete with yourself, you know, because Pekka Libi now is, is a huge hit in Israel because it's the only song that was released 
right before everything stopped. Yeah. So it's like the happiest song, the only happiest new song. (laughs) It's going to be interesting what happens because artists right now are creating in their homes. It's going to be interesting. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because as I told you, I'm doing tons of lectures and um, the Marketing Association of Israel invited me on December uh, 2019 to say what's my word for 2020. What's my word that, that, the, that was the subject. And I said that my word for 2020 will be inspiration. And why am I talking about inspiration? Because I feel there's a lack of inspiration in terms of music, especially from our side. Everything is sampled and sampled and sampled and collaborations. And no one sits at home and writes really good new songs or just, you know, you, you sing Bohemian Rhapsody. And yeah. you ask yourself, how come right now in 2019 uh, or 18, 19, it became such a huge hit? And why my nephews that never heard about Queen go and investigate about Freddie Mercury? Because they listen, they hear amazing songs they've never heard before. They don't know songs written like this. They, they have no idea about it. And I feel now everything is about a restart for the inspiration not just for the arts, for everybody. I agree. I think it's people sitting in their homes on a piano by themselves on a guitar. Yeah. And that's where great music used to come from. And then it yeah. become so big and collaborative and, and, and commercialized um, mm-hmm. over the last decade. Could, or so that it changed a could, little bit. You know, I'm not, um, I cannot ignore, I'm doing commercial music and I yeah. love it. But it's not only, I don't see only the business. I don't see only, let's do collaborations and business and sample this and sample that. No, I'm trying to invent something interesting with the song that, the, in, that would be the inspiration for the whole commercial success. Yeah. But it also has a message, like we're talking about with Toy. It's not just yeah. a, a pop song with no message. That's what it's like, real songwriters like yourself saying the me too let's put a message in this let's make something that connects with people and that is what makes the great thing the contemporary obviously pop sound and you can make it commercial but it has a meaning and a message and something you connect with and that's very strange in the eurovision to be brave enough to bring a message a real message not just peace you know and love and stuff like this a real message to deal with to do a happy song about me too is uh, is chutzpah. that's that's Israeli chutzpah. It is. It's chutzpah. That's, chutzpah. It, that's not easy. And, but that's what makes great art. Anyhow, so we like to, to wrap up the, the podcast where I ask you yeah. just five questions. I'm going to say a yeah. word or a phrase and you say whatever comes to your mind in a word or two. Ooh, or a sentence. I okay. love it. So Netta. It. Inspiration. Eurovision. Life. Stav Berger. Stav Beger. Let's Beger. Say. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> stop burger is like the hair. Like <laughs> Sorry, my accent. Stop begging. Again, toy. Okay, favorite Eurovision songs besides the one you've worked on? Oh my God, there are 100 million. But I will choose Hi, 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 Kenani Ot Hi. That's from the Eurovision. Oh, by who? What artist? Ofra Haza. Oprah that's how she. Oh, wow. That's how she broke uh, into the European market. Oh, that's thanks amazing. to the Eurovision. And and what is the next biggest artist coming out of Israel? Coming out of Israel. Yeah. My beautiful Noah Kirel. No she's signed. Yep. Yeah, she's signed now. I think in Warner. Right before the corona started, she was signed. We're waiting for it to over to be over. She's like the Israeli Ariana Grande but with, uh, you know, the, the chutzpah, the yeah. Israeli chutzpah. And I was her artistic manager for the last two years. She's 18 years old. She is, you know, I, I've worked with almost all the artists in Israel, especially with the newcomers. When I saw her, I knew immediately that she's really made um, for the international market, for real. It's very hard to say it about Israelis because we are not trained. I don't think we are trained like uh, athletes uh, for the Olympic Games. Yeah. You know, we are very good in our own Israeli market. 
but uh, Noah Kirel, she's, uh, she's going to be very big. I yeah, she's so. going to break out. We, we hold an Ambassadors of Peace Award every year where we honor people in the entertainment community for using music and the arts to bring people together. And she happened to be in L.A. then, and I met her oh. briefly. And you could tell meeting her, um, she's very charismatic. So the star power yeah. is there. Deron, <laughs> thank you so much for uh, thank talking you. I think people are going to love this. Um, once again, if you're listening, please make sure to leave a review and give a rating. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.